expect return in Jesus' name. Amen. city my whole life. I've got a best friend, I've got a goldfish, and I work at the bank. What more could a guy want? Sunday should be warm and sunny, just a scattering of drive-bys. Great day for the beach, but not Hitman's Beach, which will be mined and sprayed with high-caliber fire from a renegade gunship stolen by... And every morning, I start my day with the most delicious coffee in the whole wide whole world. Medium coffee, cream, two sugars. You know it. Mmm. Mmm. That is unexpectedly hot. Jeez, that's good. Thank you for making this with such love. You're welcome. Officer Johnny! Have a good one, guy. Don't have a good day. Have a great day. Oh, hold the fudge. You mean to tell me that nobody snapped up those bad boys? Today's the day. Like every other day. I'll be back for those. Oh, so close. Mm. This is the greatest cup of coffee of all time. I want to write a song about it. I want to dance to that song. It's my body. I love my life. It's something about finding your lane and just staying in it. That's why they call them comfort zones. In Free City, I have everything I need. Don't have a good day. Have a great day. <laughs> Thank you. Except one thing. Seem happy. Good morning, Lake Church. Amen. Are you ready? Hallelujah. Have you enjoyed God on film up to this point? Amen. It's been really, really rich to us. Go ahead and turn your Bible to uh, Galatians chapter 1. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Well, God did amazing things in first service, and um, I want you to raise your level of expectation with me for this service because... Uh, our experience is never going to exceed our expectation. God meets us at the point in the level of our expectation. So raise your sights. Let's expect God because he's here. Amen? Some of y'all don't sound convinced. How do, you, how do I know he's here? Because I brought him with me. He lives on the inside of me. He lives on the inside of every believer. Too many of us think that we have to see something supernatural happen before we actually believe God shows up. But we, when we're here gathered together, he's in the midst of us, amen? And he doesn't show up just to hang out. He's here to do something in your life this morning, amen? So uh, just to give you a little background on this movie, uh, the main character in this movie is Guy, but he is not a person. He's an NPC and for those of you who are non-gamers, that means a non... Yeah, some of you guys are, I know. Not, <laughs> that means a non-player character. And a non-player character is a character in the game who is not, uh, who's not actually a person playing that part. And they get shot at, they get beat up, they get taken out, they get, and they have no weapon to defend themselves with or no way to fight back. They're just a part of the game. And they actually live by a pre-set uh, program. And so this is a story about Guy's awakening and discovering that his existence is not at all what he supposes it to be. He has been living out a pre-programmed existence. He is a slave to the system. Free city isn't free. And neither is Guy, not yet at least. So in Galatians chapter 1, 
We're going to start reading in verse 3. And it says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What a greeting. The Father wants to impart to you grace and peace this morning. And it says, Who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. So Jesus came to deliver us out of this present evil age. You know, a lot of people in the church, they believe that all of salvation's benefits are in the future. They're in another age when we go to heaven. But the Bible reveals here that Jesus gave himself for us that he might deliver us from this present evil age. In fact, his deliverance isn't a deliverance out of, but a deliverance in the midst of a present evil age. Jesus gave himself that we might be delivered from the present evil age while we are living right smack dab in the midst of it. <laughs> you know, a lot of people would say, well, I'm not a slave. I'm not enslaved to anything. You know, it's funny. People always deny uh, things that make them uncomfortable. Uh, but just like Guy, he was created in an environment in which he was a slave to the system. And, you know, truly, that's what the Bible teaches about mankind is that we were born slaves. You know, I'm reminded, uh, I shared this earlier, but I'm reminded about when Jesus was talking to the Jews and he, told, he was telling them that I came to deliver you out of your slavery. And, you know, they said, we've never been enslaved to anybody. And at that very moment, they were under the captivity of the Romans. <laughs> they were actually in a in an enslavement to another nation. And in their history, they were slaves to Egypt for 400 years. You know, we tend to want to say, you know, we're, well, I have, I'm not a slave to anybody. But the very fact that Jesus came to bring a deliverance reveals and indicates that we were slaves. Amen. And Jesus came to deliver us out of that enslavement. In fact, the very characteristic of this age is enslavement. Let's turn over to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going over some verses this morning that we have gone over for uh, quite, a, quite extensively over the last few years. But, you know, just like Peter said, it's not grievous to me to say the same things to you again. Because listen, if we're still enslaved to things, then we haven't grasped the revelation that the Word of God has been given to, to impart to us. You know, I've said this before, but knowledge or knowing in the Bible isn't intellectual. It's experiential. So that means anything in this Word, you may know it intellectually. In fact, a lot of the things we're talking about this morning, you do know intellectually. You can quote the verse. You even know where, some of you know where they're found. But here's the thing. If you're not experiencing or doing what it says, then you don't know it. That's where we've been deceived in the modern churches. We think if I just know what it says, then I know it. But actually the Bible was given to, to uh, impart life to us. <laughs> not just tell us about something that's coming in the future. That's the problem with, the, with uh, religious Christianity is it puts all the benefits of salvation off to the future. And you can't partake of something that you postpone. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And you were dead in trespasses and sins. You know, that just means that we were alienated from the life of God. The life that we were created and designed to experience and function in, we were alienated from. We were existing, but in an existence of death, which is separation from God. Man, I remember that I lived a lot of my life existing, but not truly living. 
I tell you what, when I realized that, I thought, man, 33 years, I exist, I was breathing oxygen, my heart was beating, I was existing, but I wasn't truly living. I didn't know what life was. It says, you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world. In the Greek, that is the aeon of this cosmos. And what that means is the system of the age. What makes this an evil age is that there is a system that has been constructed that was constructed in order to enslave humanity to it. When the Bible says the world here, it's not talking about the earth. It's not even talking about the people. It's talking about the systems that have been set up in the earth and they, the architect of those systems, he says next, it says, following the prince of the power of the air. The architect of the system is Satan. And he created this and constructed this system of the world in order to enslave humanity. Following after the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived. Think about that. Everybody. We all, to some degree or another, have lived following after the course of this world. We have lived enslaved to the system, the world system that the architect Satan created in this world. We were born into slavery. And Jesus came to deliver us out of that slavery. It says, carrying out the desires of the, fle of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath like the others. This system, the way that it was designed, was to seemingly provide all of our needs. Think about Guy when he says, I live in paradise. I have everything that I need. The system was designed and created to give you the illusion that it can provide everything that you need. But if you notice right before it cut, it said everything except one thing. Oh, man. How many of you, before you came to Christ, you always knew there was something missing? Something missing. And, you know, we are all created to follow Something you are following either you're either following after the Christ and the kingdom of God or you're following after the system of this age. There is no in between. It's one or the other. It's one or the other. You know, in Jeremiah, it's one of my favorite verses. Jeremiah 10, 23, it says, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not within himself to lead his own life. The very way that God designed us when he created us is that we would follow his leading and that we would be led by his spirit, by his nature, and by his character to do his will and to glorify him on the earth. So Satan created this other system so that we would follow after it because we're followers by nature. We're followers by nature. You know, I was, I remember whenever before I uh, received Christ, this was my motto. This is my life and I'm going to live it the way I want to. <laughs> I remember saying that. I was like, this is my life and I'm going to live it the way that I want to. How deceived is that? Because you're not. You're either following Christ or you're following the system of the age. And I was finally awakened to that because think about this. Oh, I'm living my life the way I want to, but everything I'm doing is destroying my life. And I hate a lot of this stuff that I'm doing, but I just can't seem to let go of it. Although if you asked me, I'd say, I'm not enslaved to it. I could quit doing this anytime I want to. I just don't want to yet. <laughs> Come on now. Loosen up, loosen up. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. That just hit a little too close to home for a few people, I think. 
Yeah, I remember I said, I just, not, I just don't want to yet. When actually in my heart of hearts, in the imagination of my hearts, I hated what was going on in my life. I just didn't know how to be free. And so this system was created as a way to give us the illusion that it could provide everything that we need. But it leaves the most important part of you out. See, because you're not just physical. You're not just a psychological being, but you have a spirit. You're actually a spirit creation created after the image and the likeness of God. There's an eternal part of you that a lot of us are blinded to because we're born into slavery, but there's an eternal part of you. That's why salvation isn't living forever. A lot of people have this idea of salvation is I'm going to live forever. No, everybody's going to live forever. It's just where and what will be the quality of your existence where you live forever because we are eternal beings. We were created by an eternal God who made us according to Genesis 1:26 in his image and his likeness. And when he formed Adam from the dust of the earth, he breathed into Adam the breath of life. And that wasn't oxygen. That was the very spirit of God that he breathed on the inside that animated his body. You know, James says this, the body without the spirit is dead. Spirit is our source of life. And what happened when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden is they were separated from the source of true life which was the spirit of God, and they went about living their own existence separated from God, and they became susceptible to the system that the architect Satan created in this world. So we're born into enslavement. It's our design to follow. And the system, you know, being as cunning and sly as he is, is he created it uh, in 1 John 2.15, it says, All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those are the three uh, building blocks of the world system, which those three things represent the carnal part of man. So he created a system that the carnal man is drawn to as a way to reel us in. You know what I'm saying? as a way to draw us into following after it, but it denies the spirit aspect of humanity. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. I'm just trying to take my time, lay a foundation here. We're going to actually, let's go to 2 Corinthians 4 and 3. Paul is talking about the light of the gospel, the revelation. Light in the Bible means revelation. Darkness means ignorance. It means not knowing. Verse 3, it says, Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Just as I said earlier, those who are not living and experiencing the life of God's design, the life of God, it's because the gospel is veiled to them. It means they can't perceive it. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of what Jesus Christ provided for us through his death, burial, and resurrection. It's a proclamation of things that have already been achieved and that we are being made aware of by the preaching of the good news. The good news of Jesus Christ is that he came and he died for our sins and his resurrection is the validation. It's the proof that God accepted it as the perfect payment for our sins so that we could be forgiven and receive the righteousness of God to receive the legal declaration over us that we are justified in his sight and to, and to cleanse us to be able to receive the spirit of God again and become a new creation in Christ Jesus to where we can function as a spirit creation the way that we were originally created by God to exist and to function in the earth. It's the kingdom of God coming back into the earth. 
That was Jesus' message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And his miracles were a demonstration of the reality of that kingdom and the superiority of that kingdom over the kingdom of darkness. Hmm. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Hallelujah. That's why I only had three shots of espresso, so I can kind of dial it back. <laughs> I told him, give me half this time because I, I get to having a runaway if I have too much. Bob said there isn't such thing as too much espresso. <laughs> so it says, uh, verse four, in their case... The God of this world, talking about Satan, the architect of the world system. The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Oh man, there's so much I got going on in my heart right now that I want to say about that. But the system was created to blind us. It was created to pacify us and to blind us to the gospel, lest we be able to perceive the good news of what Jesus Christ says. Listen, if you could really perceive the depth of what Jesus did through his death, burial, and resurrection... You would be, excuse my language, you would be an idiot not to, not to want a part of what he provided for us. I mean, and I was for a long time because I thought I knew what the gospel was and I rejected it for years. But the truth of the matter was, is I was blinded to the truth of it. And that Satan has used the world system as a way. That's why it is this present evil age because there's deception and we're enslaved to a system that causes us not to really and accurately be able to perceive the goodness in the good news. And sad to say, but the church has contributed because religion is a part of the system. Oh, man. Even religious Christianity is a part of the system. It is a tool of Satan to blind us to the true gospel of the kingdom of God and to cause us to put off or to believe that we're not able or that we don't have access to partake of what Jesus has already provided for us. Oh man, Lord help me to say this clearly. <clears throat> the, per, the predominant way that he blinds us to the gospel is through a counterfeit. It's called legalism. It, it looks like you're doing the right thing, but it actually causes you to be blinded to the real, genuine article. Religious Christianity... The problem with it is it has its roots in legalism. Yes. What is legalism? Performance-based relationship with God. Yes. Mm. In fact, if you want to check me, I don't have time to do this, but where it says veiled twice in the third verse, if you read contextually, go back to chapter 3, and he does a whole teaching on the veil. He talks about how a veil lies over the heart of those when they read Moses, which is talking about the law. If we try to relate to God by our own works and performance, we are operating under a covenant that is no longer in effect. And the whole purpose of it was to show us that we could never be righteous. We could never produce the righteousness of God by our works so that we would humble ourselves and that we would put our faith in the finished work of Jesus to make us righteous. How many people, I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I know they're in here though. I know a large portion of people that struggle with their relationship with God because they don't feel like they measure up. 
I got good news for you. You don't. (laughs) You don't. You don't measure up. Because the standard of God's righteousness is absolute perfection. And Clayton said it earlier in his opening that Jesus fulfilled the old covenant law for us. Oh, man. That's a powerful revelation. Jesus came born of a woman born under the law and he fulfilled the old covenant law by keeping it perfectly for us who could never fulfill it. So that he could provide us a new covenant that is based on the grace of God and received simply by faith, by trusting in what he did for us. The problem is, listen, the gospel in Romans 1 is, it says it is the revelation of the righteousness of God to those who believe. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. It's a revelation of the righteousness of God given to men, ungodly men at that, that's what it says, to the ungodly. The righteousness of God given to you who are ungodly to be received by faith and faith alone with no works to go along with it. But how many of us still measure ourselves based on our performance? Come on. Listen, let me tell you this about righteousness. Because God's standard of righteousness is absolute perfection, you are either unrighteous or you are perfectly righteous. There is no in-between. If you have not received Jesus by faith, then you're unrighteous. You're born that way. You were born a slave under, uh, as a descendant of Adam. But if you have received Jesus by faith, you are perfectly righteous. In fact, uh, Ephesians chapter 4 says you were created in righteousness and true holiness. Not only are you righteous, you are holy. You are set apart. You are purified. You are sanctified. Not by your works, by the blood, by the precious blood of a lamb. And righteousness has been accounted to you simply by your trust and your faith in what he did for you and not what you do for him. Not what you do for him. It's what you did, what he did for you. That's the gospel. That's why it's the good news. Yeah. <laughs> Because if it was based on your performance, you'd never get there. Hmm. This is going a little different. Hallelujah. What else? Thank you, Lord. Perfectly righteous. Perfectly. Problem is, we don't believe that. You're not convinced of it not persuaded of it. See, because you can know that scripture. I know you know it. I know you know 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, He who knew no sin was made sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I know we know it. We can quote it. But do you believe it? But do you believe it? See, and legalism comes along and says, but you need the rules. You need the rules so that you can live right. But you know what the rule, you know what the law was supposed to do? It was supposed to highlight man's sinfulness. And the gospel reveals God's righteousness. Mm. Man, I'm telling you, I, I sense the righteous anger of the Lord against this counterfeit, religious, legalistic, performance-based stuff that causes God's people to to be able to be, to be susceptible to being enslaved by the enemy through condemnation and blinds them to the 
glory of the gospel. Thank you, Lord. You got to get rid of it. Listen, legalism will kill you. It'll kill your relationship with God. Let me ask you this. If you had a friend uh, who you were in relationship with, and all they did was measure you by your performance, how long would you want to hang around with them? That's what, re- that's what legalism does to you in regard to your relationship with God is it causes you to be separate from God. Not because God separates himself from you, but you pull yourself away from him because you know that you don't measure up. And the gospel, it reveals the astounding and overwhelming revelation of the fact that God accepts ungodly sinners simply on the basis of their trust in what he did for them through Jesus Christ. That's good news to me. I don't know about to you. (laughs) See, legalism causes you to not believe or trust that God can work, uh, do anything, and will do anything in your life because it measures your worthiness based on your performance. I'm telling you, I remember when I received Jesus Christ, I was in the Creek County Jail. I was in the lowest point of my life. I was not, had not been uh, going to church, reading my Bible, paying my tithes. I had not been praying. I had not been doing any of those things that we think are so righteous, which are great. I'm, don't get me wrong. But they don't gain or earn us anything in the sight of God. They're just, they're just ways that we grow in understanding and knowledge of him. But it doesn't earn us any brownie points. You know, it's like uh, if I read uh, my devotion every morning for a month, I qualify for a free miracle. You know, <laughs> God's going to do something on my behalf because... You know, he's not impressed. Let me just say that. He's not impressed. What impresses him is that you humble yourself and said, I'm unable. I am unable in and of myself to produce the righteousness of God. So I humble myself and I put my trust in your goodness, your love, your grace, your mercy, the blood of your son. This is what I was thinking of a minute ago. I'm glad I remembered it. Did you know that For thousands of years, under the old covenant system, the sinners, people who were under the burden of sin, they brought sacrifices to the temple to cover their sin, animal sacrifices. And you know, when they would bring their sacrifice to the high priest, not one time did they ever inspect the person who was bringing the sacrifice. Oh, my goodness. The, the priest would inspect the sacrifice to see if it met the standards to provide cleansing and righteousness for the person who was bringing that. Boy, I tell you what, you ought, that ought to, you ought to get blessed on that one because, listen, God is not inspecting you. God is not inspecting you. He is inspecting your faith in the sacrifice. And you need to quit inspecting yourself too and start inspecting the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. As John the Baptist said, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You need to begin to behold the sacrifice and the perfection of that sacrifice and the efficiency of that sacrifice to provide a perfect cleansing and a perfect righteousness and a perfect new birth and a perfect new creation in you. Listen, because here's the thing. You live the way you believe yourself to be. See, religion has it backwards. Religion tells you you need to live a certain way to become. 
Oh, man. But the truth is that you live the way you live because that's what you believe about yourself. And, and if, you, if you spend your time focusing on your performance and focusing on all of your flaws and all of your sins, you are, you are causing yourself to, to create cycles of sin in your life. The gospel reveals that you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Listen, that was my, that's what happened to me is that I was reading that simple verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, if any man is in Christ, if any man is in Christ, he is. Oh, man, you didn't get that. If any man is in Christ, he is. He is. He is. Not he's going to be. He is. He is. He is. He is a new creation. And all the old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. And before that, for years, I thought of myself as a drug addict. I thought of myself as an alcoholic, a failure, a criminal, all of those negative things. But then whenever the Holy Spirit revealed to me that in Christ I was a new creation, I remember the moment when I stood up and I said, I'm not a drug addict. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not a criminal. I'm not a failure. I am a son of Almighty God. I am a beloved son of Almighty God. I am a new creation. I am born again. I am righteous. I am holy. I am sanctified. I am set apart for the king. I am a part of the royal family. I am a citizen of heaven. Hallelujah. See, because you, you, you live out what you believe about yourself. That's why the New Testament is filled with in Christ realities. Why? To persuade you of who you truly are in him so that you'll begin to live out of a belief in the new person that he made you become when you put your faith in him. Listen, if you believe you're righteous, you will start to live righteously. Imagine that. The problem is the devil wants to blind you to that truth so he can keep you enslaved and in cycles of sin. Mm. He don't want you to break out of it. He don't care if you go to heaven. I'm going to say that again. The devil don't care if you go to heaven. He just don't want you bringing none of heaven to earth. <sighs> mm. He don't care if you go to heaven. He's just, listen, I'll tell you what. He's just fine with you coming to church, reading your Bible, and going to heaven. Just don't start affecting the world around you. Don't start liberating other people. Don't start breaking the chains off of other people who are enslaved to the system. Don't start shining a light on his tools and his tactics and his strategies that he's using to enslave other people. Don't do that. That's why he's trying as hard as he can to blind you to the reality of who you are in Jesus. Because once you believe it, you'll start living like it. You will. You'll live more holier by accident than you ever did trying to do it on purpose. <laughs> you will. Let me, let me close with this. I know I've gone a little, little long and I didn't get to any other clips, but man, I just really, the Lord was talking to me about this this morning, is that people are, and, and in the church, people are bound by legalism. Legalism kills. You know legalism killed Jesus? Legalism killed Jesus. Let, let me give you a few things. Legalism killed Jesus. Legalism stoned Stephen. Legalism opposed Paul's preaching of the gospel all through the book of Acts. Legalism is the cause for the curse in the life of the believer. Legalism is commanded in the book of, the, of Galatians to be cast out of your life because it says that you can't receive the inheritance by legalism, but only by the promise. Oh, man. Only. And I'm telling you, 
legalism is killing the church. It's the reason why we don't see the great miracles that Jesse talked about earlier. He said it's the same God who parted the sea, who caused the walls of Jericho to fall, who caused David to slay Goliath. It's the same God. He is not another God. He's the same God. The problem is we, don't, we, we know God is able. We just don't believe he would do it for us because our sorry self is so bad at living for him. <laughs> and, the de- <laughs> and the devil has convinced us that God moves in our life proportional to our performance. And it's a lie. Oh, man. John, turn to John 17. I'll close with this. What guy discovers in this movie? Let me just read this to you while you're turning. Guy finds out, but not until later, that he was created in and for another system. You might say another reality. And it was called life itself. And it looked like a garden paradise. Boy, doesn't that sound familiar? But here's the thing, life itself was stolen and it was hidden by building free city around it. Life itself was there in the game, but Guy was blinded to it. It was hidden in plain sight. But in his heart, he began to have an awakening because God put eternity in our hearts we know that there's more to life than what we're experiencing. In fact, what we lost in the garden still echoes in the heart of every man. Mm -hmm. That's why the preach, you know what the preaching of the gospel does? Is it caught, the preaching of the gospel resonates with the echo of what was lost that's in the heart of every person. That's why when I'm saying this today, I, I know right now that there are people, I can see it in the spirit, there are people that this is resonating with their heart and it's causing hope to come to them and they're going, maybe my life, maybe me, maybe me. Let me tell you, yes, you, yes, you, yes, you. You know what the gospel says? You, 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 you. I did it for you and I would have done it for only you. Oh, man. John 17. In verse 15, it says, this is Jesus praying to the Father. On the night before he was crucified, he said, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world. And this word world is system. It's the world system. They are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Listen, if you've accepted Christ, you're not a part of the world system. You're in it, but you're not of it. But you've got to awaken to that reality so you can break out of it and be delivered. He says this, he says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. That word sanctify means set them apart. Make a distinction between them and other people. Sanctify them by the truth. Now, let me ask you something. You don't need to raise your hand. But think about this. When, I, when you read the word truth there, does it make you think of rules like the truth about what's right and wrong? Because if it does, then you're struggling with a mindset of legalism. Because that's not what this word means. But most people, when we read truth, we think, well, that's, teach, that's showing us the truth about what's right and what's wrong. That is not what this word is. This word in the Greek is aletheia, and it means reality. Jesus came to reveal to us another reality. He came to reveal to us that we can live from an alternate reality that is not a part of this world system. Yet it is here. It is real. 
Jesus demonstrated it. When he cast out devils, when he healed the sick, when he raised the dead, he showed that the kingdom of God was real. He demonstrated another reality. Y'all looking at me like I'm some kind of alien or something. That's what Jesus was talking about. Not deliver you out of, but deliver you in the midst of. There is another reality available to believers to live out of, and it's called the kingdom of God on earth. Let me, let me read this to you. In uh, the Helps Word Studies about this word reality, Let me get it real quick. It says in ancient Greek culture, which this is a Greek word, aletheia was synonymous for reality, and it meant the opposite of illusion. What is the world system? It's, a, it's an illusion. It's an illusion that the enemy constructed in the world to blind us from the reality that we were created. We are spirit creations and our true father is God. Did you know your beginning, it wasn't in your parents? People are, people are debating about the beginning of life. I'll tell you, it didn't even begin in your parents. <laughs> your true origin in Genesis is in God. Oh my goodness, you didn't get that. You began in God. You came out of God. You were created in God. And then when your parents uh, did what they did, <laughs> I, was trying to think, I was trying to think of a good way to say that. <laughs> when your parents uh, worked the law of reproduction and created a physical, be a physical body, God put your spirit in it. Man, <laughs> uh, God told Jeremiah, he said, before, I create, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I ordained you. Not only did he know him, but he ordained a purpose for his life. He said, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Oh man, Brother Marvin said the other night on Wednesday night, he said, heaven has authorized things concerning God's will for your life. And the Holy Spirit wants you to know what that is. I haven't got over that since he said that. I want to know more about what that is. Think about it. That's amazing. God was having a conversation about you before the world was ever. Oh, God was having. <laughs> God was. Ha you might have been a surprise to your parents, but you weren't a surprise to God. <laughs> God was having a conversation about it. This word means reality. As long as we're living, following after the world system, we are living below the reality that God created and sent Jesus to die for you to live from. And the Holy Spirit came so he could reveal that reality to you. Remember Jesus told his disciples in John 16, the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you into all truth. That's that word, reality. Most of us think, well, the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding me into doing everything right. That's not what he's talking about. Because Jesus goes on and he says, uh, all that the Father has is mine. Uh, the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you into all truth, and he will declare to you everything that belongs to me. Why? Because everything that belongs to him now belongs to you. Oh, man. Hallelujah. Father, we just give you praise. Thank you so much for your goodness. I just want to ask you, if you would, just stand for a moment. Let's just begin to thank the Father for the gospel. Father, we just thank you so much for your goodness. We just thank you so much for the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord. I know that it has resonated in the hearts of people this morning and that we have been uh, 
exhorted to cast off this performance-based way of relating to God so we can be awakened to and perceive the reality of the good news of the kingdom of God and the access that you've given us to it through the blood of Jesus. And I just thank you, Father God, that you want to unveil that to people's hearts this morning, that you want to break the chains off of this illusion so they can step out of this invisible captivity that's holding them in bondage from becoming all that you designed and prepared for them to be before the foundation of the world. And if that's you this morning, I'm going to give a few things out that you can come up for. We're going to have ministers up here at the front who would minister to you this morning. Let me give you a few things. If you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life this morning, if you've never received the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, or if you're struggling with your identity and with this performance-based Uh, counterfeit of the devil, I want to invite you to come up and receive ministry this morning. These ministers would love to pray for you. And God, I'm telling you, God has spoke to me this morning that he wants to, to break this off of people's lives so we can step out of the world system and into, into spacious places in God. Oh, hallelujah. We thank you for it. I just want the ministers to go ahead and come forward. Go ahead and come up. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. We give you praise. Thank you, Lord. There's another reality, an alternate reality. If you need healing this morning, that's available to you this morning. If you need deliverance from some kind of addiction or disorder, that's available this morning. If you need deliverance from fear, tell you what, fear is gripping the hearts of people in this time that we're living in. If you need deliverance from that, I want to invite you to come up for that as well. Hallelujah. Father, we just give you praise. We give you glory. I thank you that it's your heart. That you want to reveal the true identity of the believer as a beloved son and daughter of God. Hallelujah. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to dismiss you guys so y'all can, y'all can go. But I want to encourage you that if you need prayer in any of those areas, come forth this morning and receive in Jesus' name.